Welcome to this week's Green Slide Up. This is Richard Henschel, horticulture educator for the University of Illinois Extension Service. And this week I wanted to talk about winter plant damage um, and on all those plants besides boxwoods. Boxwoods have uh, come into into the press and social media pretty heavily recently. Uh, we know it's they're, they're so obvious, there should be green and they're out there being bright brown and yellow brown. So we know about all the trouble we've had with boxwoods, but um, I wanted to um, talk about um, those that have been overshadowed, if you will, from overwintering damage on a range of landscape plants, uh, from trees down to perennials and small fruits. And the first thing I wanted, one I really wanted to talk about was winter hardiness. Uh, to some extent, gardeners have been cheating Mother Nature every year for many, many years. Well, you know, we've got this USDA hardiness zone map to use as a guide and the information on the plant tag when we go to the garden center to suggest us if the plant's going to survive in our winters. Um, the hardiness zone map has been um, revised a couple, three times over its history and and uh, so when you can you ought to use the the newest version of that um, the the changes really reflect just long-term weather patterns over many many years if you would just google a usda hardiness zone map uh, you'll pop up right to the right place uh, with that map you can especially online now you can zoom in uh, on illinois or you can even search more focused uh, by zip code. Um, I did it uh, this week, and for example, St. Charles with a zip code of 60174 registers as a zone B5 area, and that says the winter temperatures range from minus 15 to minus 10 degrees for winter lows on average. So that should give us uh, a, a strong indicator of whether the plants are going to make it or not. Um, where we get into trouble is purchasing a plant that is out of that range um, and the kind of plant of course can make a difference too. Uh, we have already talked about boxwoods but there are a number of other broad-leaved evergreens and those broad-leaved evergreens are typically more susceptible to winter damage than a deciduous shrub in the same zone just because the deciduous shrub loses its leaves there's nothing there but branches and overwintering buds with thick bud scales that help them survive where our broad-leaved evergreens there isn't there is not that kind of protection and the foliage does stay on the plant winter long so it's out there being exposed we can also move this thought process into uh, rhododendrons and versions of broad-leaved azaleas um, uh, and other hollies and things like that any plant that's really a broad-leaved evergreen is going to take a typically going to take a hit anyway and when we have winters like we just have gotten through that's that hit even becomes much bigger so this spring we're certainly seeing winter damage on a variety of plants um, you know bud and twig dieback are common on trees and shrubs especially at the tips where those buds may have been created late in the summer they're just not old enough they have not matured so they're susceptible to winter damage uh, yellowing and needle loss on ewes and larger needled evergreens can be seen right now and this is needle loss outside of the fact that most of our needled evergreens are going to lose one whole set of needles uh, the oldest needles on the plant anyway that's a natural phenomena we see in a year um, we are typically going to notice 
a loss of bloom show on forsythia, ornamental pears, flowering dogwoods. This, these are pretty much the common kinds of things we would expect to see. This winter, that loss may uh, move farther into the plant, and you may see total twig dieback in areas, uh, uh, stems dead, um, and the, the loss moves farther in towards the major structure of the tree. You know, if you've, if you've got perennials that typically overwinter with some above ground stems, this, this winter may have created a situation where those stems have been killed to the ground. When we look in the we when we look at the home orchard, um, kind of in the in the the range of what's hardy and what isn't so hardy, um, apples are the hardiest. Uh, by the way, and flowering crab apples are related to the apple, so they're pretty much just fine out there. We've been seeing some beautiful bloom show out of our flowering ornamental flowering crab apples. Yet on the opposite end of the scale, and I've mentioned this before as well, um, peaches and uh, stone fruit similar to peaches, uh, they're the most sensitive. And for example, peaches, once it hits 10 below zero, flower buds start to die. And the longer we see those temperatures extended, the more, the larger the percentage of, of the bu flower buds die until we don't have a bloom uh, that spring. Typically, uh, the vegetative buds survive, and I say typically because I've seen total peach trees killed this year that have been in place for some time. So this year, even with the cold weather, even the uh, peach tree vegetative buds and the trees themselves have been severely damaged. So that's something that's um, out there and, and, and going on. Uh, other small fruits like brambles and strawberries and blueberries have suffered to, a, uh, to varying degrees as well. Strawberries uh, oftentimes are essentially heaved out of the soil given their shallow root system. And then the roots are, and the crown of the uh, strawberry plant is exposed to those very cold temperatures we had. And clearly, uh, you know, not a good thing. Uh, for plants that have had a good amount of food reserve, um, they can replace those uh, lost buds given time. So it's, if you will, here mid-May. It may be to the end of May or even into the middle of June before we see any growth on what appears to be a totally dead plant right now. Uh, you can investigate, uh, scrape a little spot on the stems and see, you should see a, a, a green, good green, dark green kind of moist color in the cambium there. That says the plant's alive and it's doing its best to create new buds that will come out later in the season. So that's that would be a good thing, but we won't know, as I say, until sometime towards the end of May here or even into early June or even mid-June before we know that. Uh, this damage that I'm speaking of has really been widespread and throughout the region, so it's really not a disease or an insect problem. It's really all about uh, the environmental damage we saw from the winter. Uh, for those gardeners who did protect their sensitive plants from the winter sun and wind, really nothing could have been done to protect them from the very severe low temperatures we had over a period of days. Um, so just uh, keep in mind, like so many other things out there in, in the gardening world, you are not alone this year in the kind of damage that you saw in your yard. It's regional. It's, it's statewide in some cases. So uh, we just have to move forward, uh, do the best we can with what we've got left, plan for the future, and maybe as we replace plants, just remember the hardiness zone. 
uh, siting is important, soils are important, um, and all those things factor into whether or not some of these semi-hardy plants that we really love are actually going to survive again down the road for us. Well, this has been Richard Tancho with this week's Green Site Up. It's always a pleasure, and I'll be back real soon.